0: As we enter into this Advent season, uncertainty is all around us. We feel the tension. We know the longing. We live with quiet anticipation in the not yet, the known, the unknown, the liminal, mysterious space of the Advent season. As we cross over the threshold of Advent once again, what does it mean for us to lean into this season To give ourselves to these weeks that show us there is no place where God does not desire to meet us, even in the mystery. Known and unknown, dwelling in the mystery of Advent. Rich in majesty and mystery, Mary's Magnificat is written like a poetic doxology. A hymn of praise, it begins individually and ends communally as it spotlights God's mercy and might, God's holiness and saving help. Singing it reminds us of who God is, reminds us that God sees us, and helps us to see one another. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. And as I've been studying this passage morning after morning, surrounded by comfort and the luxury of time, I'm deeply aware that others, especially other women, Wake earlier than I, walk across fields or to subways, to places of work where they're perhaps paid and respected less than I am, traveling back again, perhaps along unsafe roads, to second jobs or second shifts at home. I and we study, preach, and pray this hymn in solidarity with brothers and sisters around the world. Whether taught by the Spirit, her community, or her family. When Mary opens her mouth, echoes of the prophets and Hannah's song and Psalm 34 ring out, inviting us into the family of God and the stories of those who have gone before. The language encircles us like an advent wreath with proclamations of praise, pain, prophetic hope, and soul-searching prayer. For Mary's Magnificat is a hymn of praise, but it is also a hymn of pain. Consider her context, young, poor, pregnant out of wedlock, in a culture hostile to this, and living in the shadow of Rome. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a sermon in Advent of 1933, once wrote, "'The Song of Mary is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary whom we see in paintings. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. Reverend Carolyn Sharp agrees. Don't envision Mary as the radiant woman peacefully composing the Magnificat. Instead, see her as a girl who sings defiantly to her God through her tears, fists clenched against an unknown future. When we read it this way, Mary's courageous song of praise becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amid the suffering and conflicts of real life. Like Psalm 34, this poem defies the odds, choosing to exalt God's name amidst deep turmoil and broken-heartedness, trusting that somehow God will move among the shards, crafting something beautiful, even if we walk with a limp ever after. For as Tozer once said, it is doubtful whether God can use a man or woman greatly until he has hurt them deeply. But how can praise and pain live so side by side? Perhaps because this is also a hymn of prophetic hope, of justice and longing and kingdom come. For surely Mary sings, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. This is a series of what Caroline Sharp calls great reversals. It's rooted within the context of a robust political and covenantal theology. As if from the womb, Jesus calls out with the liberating, humanizing message of the gospel. These words, this passage was considered so subversive, galvanizing and dangerously revolutionary that at at least three different times in recent history, it has been banned by governments. During the British rule of India, in the 1980s in Guatemala, and during the Dirty War in Argentina, when the mothers took to the streets to protest 30,000 missing family members. The Magnificat is a courageous, defiant, faith-filled song sung from the margins, that calls to account the mighty, unmasks colonialism, selfishness, patriarchy, and all abuses of power. It gives voice to the oppressed. It is meant to resonate down the halls of power and through the walls of our heart. It is a call for hope turned to action in alignment with God's heart, God's will, God's ways. It is an invitation to engage in the work of justice and mercy as we partner to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is a song about worldview, about rearranged societies and priorities and about the prophetic call on God's people. Jan Richardson calls this section, remembering forward saying, Mary sings of the transformation of the world as if it had already happened. She continues, true hope starts as a seed. The impossible is possible. An elderly woman is pregnant. A virgin is with child. God's kingdom has come and everything has changed. This kind of hope bends our understanding of tense and time. And this is the very place that we are called to inhabit, believing it is already done, engaging as if it were complete remembering how God has transformed the world while simultaneously working with God to see this very thing come to pass. Mary looks back to the promises found in Hannah's song and forward to their culmination, telescoping them together in the tiny life that grows within her. And I wonder if that is perhaps why as well as being a hymn of praise, a lament of pain, a proclamation of prophetic hope. This is also a hymn of convicting, inspiring prayer. These words are not meant to be read. They are meant to be prayed. Prayed daily in some communities, sadly just at Christmas and others. Prayed alone and prayed together. Prayed while we are celebrating and while we are grieving and while we are doubting passed down from generation to generation for praying it changes us shaping our worship theology and service inviting us into the heart of god and out to a world in need of god's kingdom come amen